This week on Wealth Track, shattering Medicare myths. Benefit expert Katie Vatava navigates the complexities and costs of Medicare to your advantage. That's next on Consuelo Mac Wealth Track. Hello and welcome to this edition of Wealth Track. I'm Consuelo Mack. As soon as you turn 65, you are eligible for Medicare. It is a benefit that can't start soon enough for many older adults. Healthcare costs are skyrocketing and they hit seniors particularly hard because many are in fixed income and they utilize healthcare more. But Medicare is not a slam dunk, anything but. It is a very complex, confusing, multi-part program that requires work to understand. And its benefits can vary widely depending upon how and when you apply, where you live, and what plans you enroll in. And as your health changes, it can either help you or hurt you. You need to know how to make it work for you. A shocking statistic from Medicare guru Katie Votava is that nearly 95% of people pay too much for their Medicare coverage because they do not completely understand the full cost they will pay in addition to the premiums. With Medicare, the devil is in the details, which is why we have asked benefits guru Votava to return to WealthTrack and bring us up to speed. Our guest is Katie Votava, founder and president of GoodCare.com, a healthcare consulting firm for individuals, small businesses, and financial planners. She is a registered nurse with a PhD in health economics and nursing. She's also a columnist for Investment News and the author of Making the Most of Medicare, a guide for baby boomers now in its sixth edition. I started our discussion with some changes occurring in Medicare, one being that higher income seniors are in for some sticker shock in 2020. I asked her how big a shock. Well, what we're seeing for the proposed rates for higher income Medicare beneficiaries is that that higher income portion of their premium is projected to go up 25%. Oh, my goodness. Which is much higher than we have seen historically. Right. And even for people who are at the base rate, theirs is going up 6.5%, and we haven't had anything that high either. So people, no matter what your income is, they're going to be quite surprised, and higher income folks are going to have an even bigger bite than they've had before. Another change, possibly, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. is that the, the drug costs are going to increase. So explain that. Right. Drug the out-of-pocket costs for beneficiaries that actually is, is already set for this year, I don't think it's going to be rolled back, the amount of money people are going to have to spend out-of-pocket after premium is going up dramatically this year, and it will affect people who already have expensive medications. And it's got to do with this thing that we call the donut hole. Right. The donut hole, I always say it's really you know an unfortunate name. It's really a, a uh, coverage gap in the middle. And this year, if a person has expensive medications, they have to spend... $5,100 out of their pocket before their cost goes down dramatically, which is plenty. Next year, it's going to be $6,300. That's a huge increase. We've never seen anything that large before. So people who are on any kind of medication, no less things that are costly, are going to for sure pay more out of their pocket when they go to pick up their medications. But The good news is that it's the time of year to shop, and they really might have a plan available to you if you go to the Medicare.gov site that covers your medications better. So it's more important than ever to really shop around. But that out-of-pocket limit that is in Medicare with the donut hole 
is going up quite dramatically in 2020. And so the window to adjust your plan, mm -hmm. if you're already in it, mm -hmm. what, what is that window? That window to adjust, to shop for your new plan is every year for everybody in, in Medicare, October 15th through December 7th. And that coverage starts January 1st. So you have time now to get organized and then do that shopping. And I recommend that people be careful. Don't wait to that last week of enrollment because the systems will, will slow down. You'll just be frustrated. So as soon as you can look and shop, it's October 15th through December 7th. One of the things that you told me is that people are startled about how complex mm -hmm. just enrolling in Medicare mm -hmm. is. And I say Medicare is like a puzzle. You've got to fit the pieces of the puzzle together because there are major pieces, part A, which is hospital, part B, which is outpatient, and then you need a drug plan, and then you need a supplemental. And so how are you gonna put those together? And what I recommend is that when people are 64, you read the meter, read your Medicare meter and find out, do I need to go into Medicare when I'm 65? Or can I defer? Because many people are working beyond 65 now. Right. But you've gotta figure out what parts and pieces you would need at 65, or are you allowed to wait into the future? But the other thing about all these parts and pieces is you need some before others. And so it's a time sensitive matter to figure out I need my A and my B. I was just speaking with a woman this morning who's really pinched for time and probably should have applied for her Medicare A and B sooner. And things are gonna work out, but it increases stress for people. So plan ahead, I say 64 is the time to look ahead and say, will I go into it when I'm 65? Or if myself or my spouse has coverage for me, can I defer in the future? And there can be benefits to doing that. But if you don't read the meter properly, you can also have a problem and have a delayed entry into Medicare and a penalty for the rest of your life. But you can avoid it when you think about it ahead of time. Right. So deferring Medicare, tell mm -hmm. me when that makes sense. Right. Deferring Medicare when you're 65. And again, it's 65 because uh, full retirement age now is older. It's 66 plus. Right. And a lot of people think, well, that's when I enroll in Medicare. No. It is 65, and when you're 65, if you or your spouse are working for a company with 20 or more employees, most of the time you are eligible to defer going into Medicare, keep your company plan, and enroll later with a special enrollment period. But if you're in a smaller company, you must enroll in Medicare because- 20 or under employees. 20, 19 or fewer employees. 19 or A lot of small businesses in the United States. You've gotta go into Medicare because Medicare is your primary coverage and people get in a troubled spot when they don't realize they have to get into that uh, Medicare plan and have a company plan. And if they get really sick, that company plan, no matter how much they're paying for it, only covers 20% of their cost. And they're stuck with 80% of the bill. So it's really got to do with the structure of your company, how big the company is. And the other thing is, is your coverage working for you? Mm -hmm. Some people's plans are great and some aren't. So you might say, well, yes, I could stay with my company plan, but if it's not working for you or your family, then you wanna think about going to Medicare when you're 65, even if you don't have to. The connection with Social Security mm -hmm. and Medicare, explain mm -hmm. that connection. There is a connection between Medicare and Social Security, and the connection is it's your Social Security work credits. You need 40 of them to allow yourself to get into Medicare without having to pay for the first part, Medicare Part A which is hospitalization, you get it for no additional fee, whether you or your spouse have contributed to Social Security. So that's one important link. 
The other one is that when you apply through Social Security for Medicare, they will look at your income. Mm -hmm. And they, you don't have to tell them your income. They'll get the records from the IRS, I assure you. And then they will say, well, you have a higher income. They'll always look two years in arrears. And if you're above a certain threshold, which is $85,000 for an individual or $170,000 for a married couple filing jointly, then you will pay more for your Medicare Part B premium. Right. So you are allowed to get into Medicare based on their Social Security service for that of your spouse. And then for the B portion, which we pay a premium for, they will determine how much you're going to pay for that premium. And they'll do that every year, by the way. Because every year in the fall, they look back and say, okay, here's this year, we're going into 2020. They're going to look at the 2018 tax return and say, okay, what did you make then for everybody who's already in Medicare and determine what's your premium going to be next year? So they're doing that automatically. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do anything to have them reassess your, your income <laughs> statement. No, right? They will take a look. But also, one thing that's important is that if you've had significant income changes based on changing life circumstance and they're very specific. Let's say you've retired and you don't make the money you used to make. You are allowed to tell Social Security that, hey, this year, 2020, I'm not going to have that income I had in 2018. Right. And therefore, and the notice is very clear, you have to read it and respond to it in a timely fashion. But if you do, I've never had a person who applied in time for a reduction, who met the criteria, who didn't get that reduction. And that's worthwhile because it can mean a couple thousand dollars or more a year for you. And if you have a spouse, it's twice as much. So yep. you want to look at that notice you get from Social Security in the fall. Um, so part, part A is a hospitalization. Mm -hmm. Part B is mm -hmm. the out, outpatient services. Outpatient, everything right. outpatient. Mm -hmm. and, and so tell us about kind of the options available because the outpatient services, what you pay, again, yes. can vary greatly uh, and can be kind of shocking to you. Oh, you're right. The costs, even once you have your Medicare A and B, you're not done paying. Right. That Medicare expects the beneficiary to pay 20%. And a lot of these outpatient services are expensive. I mean, chemotherapy, MRIs, outpatient surgery, seeing your doctor, all that type of thing is under Medicare Part B. So most people, and I recommend you have some type of supplemental mm -hmm. to cover that. And it's two, one of two ways. You get a Medigap plan. Although I say that, there are 11 styles of Medigap plans oh. offered by multiple companies. There's one or two styles I recommend. Others I don't because they don't cover enough to make it worth it. Let's stop it there and mm. tell me which Medigap plans you are recommending. The Medigap plans I'm recommending for 2020 are the Plan G. Plan G is in good because there is a law change this year that Plan F, which this year is still the plan that covers the most, will no longer be sold in 2020. But folks who have it need to know that they're grandfathered in and they won't lose it. But next year, it'll be Plan G that will cover the most costs for people, the out-of-pocket portion that they're supposed to pay if you go a Medigap route. Now, the other way to go is a Medicare Advantage plan. That can serve as a supplemental, but for most of those plans, there are limitations. There are um, actually higher out-of-pocket costs than people might realize sometimes, and many of them involve networks of care providers, and sometimes they're great. Where I'm from in Rochester, New York, the Medicare Advantage plans are quite robust. Some other parts of the country, they're not. In some parts of the country, there aren't any. But those are very popular, and they're basically HMO-style plans mm -hmm. where it's all grouped together, and you also have to get approvals for some of your services. But 
They can work great for folks whose health is really good. They don't need a lot of uh, healthcare services and they will be able to save money going into those Medicare Advantage plans. So they, you have to look very carefully to see, will it work for you or your family member? Where do you look? One of the best places to shop really is on Medicare.gov. Mm -hmm. And they will tell you in detail the Medicare Advantage plans available to you. They will tell you the Medigap plans in the area. They will or will not? They will, but they will not tell you enough detail from my point of view on the cost. They'll tell you what companies are selling and what letter plan. Are they selling a G or an N or a K? And, but they won't tell you what, how to price shop there. So then it's a little more hunting and pecking to go look for Medigap plans. So my suggestion about Medigap shopping is go to your doctor that you like to see and ask your physician and nurse practitioner, what plans do they accept? Because you're going to be better off if you have a plan that they will automatically process your paperwork for. Right. And then start shopping there in comparison shop because even though the benefits are set in law, the prices vary widely. Some of the plans cost 200% more than, than wow. another company. And, and, and you want to, of course, make the most of your money and find the most economical plan that will cover the things that you want, but also a plan that your care providers will do the paperwork for you. So the And so Part C and Part D, just mm -hmm. explain what mm -hmm. they are and what we need to know. When we talked about Medicare Advantage, another word right. for it is Medicare Part C. Okay. And it's, I, I think the term Part C is somewhat confusing because it's not a separate part. It's actually taking Part A and B and usually Part D and rolling it together into C or complete, if you will. Mm -hmm. And it's also known as a Medicare Advantage plan. So they're usually HMO plans. They have a lot of networks, and they can be great for folks who don't have high health care costs mm -hmm. in general and don't have to travel a lot. And then there's Part D, prescription drug coverage. If you get a Medigap plan, you want to get a Part D plan, a standalone plan it's called. Many Advantage plans, Part C plans, have already put that coverage in there. But for those who are going to go the Medigap route, you need to get what's called a standalone prescription drug plan or otherwise known as pill. Plan D for a drug. Mm -hmm. And those vary widely in any zip code. They vary down to the county and zip code level. And so in any zip code, you're going to have 20 to 25 plans. And that's something you really want to do on a site like Medicare.gov. Put the medications in for yourself or your family member. And then look and see how many are covered. Because they don't have to cover every medication. They have to cover categories but not specific medications. And then even if they cover that medication... How much are you going to pay when you go pick it up? That varies tremendously. Some will be a Tier 1, cheaper. Mm -hmm. Another plan will be a Tier 3. And given that the costs are going up even more, the out-of-pocket limit this year, right. it's critical to do that shopping because once you get to January, there are some opportunities to change, but not like we have in the fall. So there's a lot of competition for the drug plans mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and in, in various locations around yeah. the country. Right. True. Right. True. There are times when you use, there are state health organizations as well. When do those come in handy? Boy, I'm so glad that you mentioned those. The state health insurance programs are available all over the United States. We've already paid for them through our tax dollars. And what they do is they operate in every county, often through the area office on aging. And some are professional staff, some are volunteers, or some are hybrid, and they help people sort through what their medications are. They help them find coverage that's going to work for them. They'll actually advise them on Medicare Advantage plans as well. So the SHIP program 
and people can go to the website and, and you can put your zip code in and you can find where that's, that location is, who's providing that service, wherever you are, or it's a great service for caregivers because mm -hmm. you can set up a telephone appointment. But again, it's really important to get your organized information early. They'll have community sessions and they will fill up quickly because mm -hmm. a lot of people want to know and want to have this help. They'll also go to local community centers and senior centers to help folks out. Do you know what I can't figure out is here is Medicare, which is a benefit that we all have taken for granted mm -hmm. and that everyone can enroll in basically yeah. when they're 65, just about mm -hmm. everyone can. Mm -hmm. And yet it's so complicated. Is there any, yeah. are there any moves afoot to simplify well, this so that it's, I'm, I'm just amazed that yes. the vast majority of Americans even access it correctly. You're, well, number one, they don't do it correctly, but they do right. enroll. You're right. You're right. And you know, if I had a magic wand, I would make it much easier. Right. I never thought in my earlier years as a nurse I would ever be doing this type of thing and helping people, mm -hmm. but it's it's more complex than I wish it were. Right. People do talk about streamlining it, but inside the Beltway these days, because the rules are set federally, but then the states have a lot to say too of what goes on there. And that complex dance that goes on, I don't see it unfortunately changing right. anytime soon, but I also think people to take advantage of information like your show here, the more information people have, information is a great equalizer mm -hmm. in the marketplace. And it will be easier for people and easier for caregivers. And also families need to have their conversations. So it's not the elder person and their uh, adult children. You don't just suddenly have that conversation when mom's very old mm. and in the hospital. Mm. So have conversations with your children and also with your financial advisor, start talking about health care. Start talking about it every year. Put it on your agenda. One of the things that you told me, Katie, at one point was don't let COBRA bite mm. you. So explain that. Right. COBRA is a continuation coverage of your employer coverage. So right. when people retire, leave employment, they're eligible most of the time to purchase that plan, pay the full cost plus 2%. The problem that happens around Medicare where I say don't let COBRA bite you or your you know, family members is that Medicare and COBRA, they don't play well together. And once you are 65 and you go on COBRA, again, it's not an employer plan anymore, Medicare must by law be primary. And so you pay that big premium for COBRA, but you're not getting what you thought you were going to get. Also, when people retire, they might negotiate sometimes for um, a benefit to be paid for on their behalf. Right. And that benefit goes right down the drain because they can't even use the COBRA insurance. So what I recommend people do, again, is understand that if you don't have Medicare and you're over 65 and you leave your current position, COBRA is not for you. And you want to get on it right away because you only have eight months to sign up. And in the meantime, you don't have anything anyway. So you want to sign up as soon as you can. Wait, you want to sign up for Medicare. You want to sign up can. for Medicare. Yeah, thank you for that clarification. As soon as you can because you have an eight-month window mm -hmm. once you leave employment. And COBRA, this is where people get bitten, is 18 months usually. Mm -hmm. And if you wait to that ninth month or beyond, you're sunk. And you will pay a penalty and you will have a delay for coverage. And some people say, well, I've got to go on it for my family. Well, if you have dependents who are under 65, they will have their own separate eligibility and could still sign up for COBRA themselves. Mm -hmm. So you, you, most people will have that option to cover their family, but they need to go to uh, Medicare to have comprehensive coverage for themselves.
there are things that you're advising your clients now yeah. to to basically to help them manage what is their adjusted gross income, their modified adjusted gross income, right. so that they don't end up paying more for met in Medicare. In Medicare, paying more for high income and not right. getting any more for it. And yes, people who have incomes beyond that eighty-five thousand dollars or one hundred and seventy thousand. If they think they're going to be in that category and maybe you're in the earlier 60s, it's time to start thinking about what other things could I do to position my revenue and my cash flow when I'm in retirement that won't go into the Medicare calculation. Right. Uh, health savings accounts are a big one. You can put money in there. It grows tax-free, comes out tax-free. It will never increase your Medicare uh, high-income premiums. People who have reverse mortgages. That will not increase. Any proceeds from those don't go into oh. income. Mm -hmm. So therefore, it will not increase their premiums. Money that's stored in a, a Roth account will Roth come IRA. Out, mm -hmm. A Roth IRA, right, or a Roth 401k will come out without taxes and will not impact their premiums. The other flip side of that is if you have transactions around your um, 65, 63, and they're going to increase your income anyway. Plan ahead so that when you get there, say you did something in your 64 and you had a, a lot of income that year, when you're 66, it's going to impact your Medicare premiums. And just be aware, how much is it going to be so you're not, don't get the worst sticker shock, and you have cash available mm -hmm. to pay that mm -hmm. premium because you will not be eligible to get it reduced. So sometimes you can arrange your financial planning ahead of time to diminish the impact of income right. here and there, but other times when you can't plan ahead so you're not surprised. Because once you're retired and your income affects your premiums and it's gonna, your costs are gonna go up, that will affect your whole retirement plan mm -hmm. many times, not just for a year, but sometimes longer. Right, mm -hmm. an issue that's becoming more and sure. more important mm -hmm. is it's uh, many, many uh, parents are having to cover the costs of adult disabled children. Mm -hmm. So tell us about um, what you're advising people in that situation. Yeah, well people often come to me at Good Care when they're transitioning themselves, the parents, from an employer plan or, an, or a family plan into Medicare. And then they can no longer cover even an adult disabled child in most circumstances. And that's very stressful, understandably, and worrisome for people. So to plan ahead as best as possible of what options might be out there. Are there individual plans? There are all over the United mm -hmm. States. Many people might be eligible for Medicaid, and a lot of people have a lot of misunderstandings about Medicaid. Medicaid can work just fine, actually, in concert with Medicare, so that might be a way for people to handle that. And to reach out to the various social services supports that are in their community or whatever cause the person is disabled, those people, particularly the social work departments and staffs, can help people make that transition. And again, anytime you can plan ahead, it's so much easier. Don't wait till that deadline is right there because that's so stressful and more difficult for people. The one investment for long-term diversified portfolio, mm -hmm. uh, when you were on last, you recommended that anyone who can mm -hmm. to set up a, a health savings account. One investment would be a different kind of account, and that would be a Roth account, whether it's a 401k Roth or an IRA Roth. Once the money's in there, you've already paid taxes on it, however you deposited that. Then when that money comes out to you, it does not go into your tax return, it does not go into adjusted gross income. Therefore, you will have cash flow, 
to help you pay your health care bills or any other bill, mm -hmm. and it will not unnecessarily increase those Medicare-related, um, income-related premiums and those Roth accounts. And that's for people, you know, 50 on up to start thinking about, I should be doing some Roth conversions here. Right. Mm -hmm. So, Katie Botava, thank you so much for joining us. There is so much to learn about Medicare and taking advantage of it properly and avoiding the high costs that seem to be associated with it now. Mm -hmm. So thanks for joining us on WealthTrack. Thank you, Consuelo, for having me. At the close of every wealth track, we try to give you one suggestion to help you build and protect your wealth over the long term. This week's action point is read Katie Votava's book, Making the Most of Medicare, A Guide for Baby Boomers. Now in its sixth edition, it is a concise, easy to read and understandable guide to what is a very complex, multi-part and confusing benefit. There are many rules and regulations about Medicare that require attention and customization to fit your individual circumstances. Votava's book will help you navigate them and avoid the costly mistakes that can plague you for the rest of your life. Next week on WealthTrack, a top-performing growth fund manager, Margaret Vitrano, discusses her successful mixing of quality, growth, and purpose at the ClearBridge Large Cap Growth Fund. Also, feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel. Thanks for watching. Have a lovely weekend and make the week ahead a profitable and a productive one.